continuing on with our series of This is War. Still not working in the back. Okay. This is War. Ephesians chapter 6. Let me get there myself. Starting with verse 10. Ephesians 6, starting with verse 10, should be familiar to us at this time. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And then just the first half of verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Just pray again real quick. Lord, it's your word. It's your message, your messenger, your people. May what I say be what you want me to say in the way that you want me to say it. And God, may this help us all to fortify what is inside so that we can withstand what the enemy throws our way. So that we can be warriors in your army, God. As we begin talking about the various pieces of this armor, open our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been talking for several weeks now about prayer and the enemy and what he does to try to defeat us and take us down. And leading up to Ephesians 6 here, putting on the whole armor of God. Obviously today is the first one. If you can see behind the uh, stalactite there, it says belt of truth, belt of truth. I enjoy trying to, and I emphasize the word trying, I enjoy trying to stay in shape, trying to stay fit. Uh, down through the years, uh, some of you uh, are laughing at the word trying, huh? Yeah. Um, down through the years, I've tried a myriad of exercise programs. I've been on the treadmill, I've been out jogging on the road. Um, I, I've sometimes done Tybo. I like the kicking and all that kind of thing and some free weights and I try and do all of that. But there are so many exercise routines out there, aren't there? Some of you have tried that for yourself. Uh, the, uh, health industry, the exercise industry is a multi-billion dollar industry trying to get you to buy into their programs and get their machines or get their gadgets or what might appeal to you. So many of them focus on your arms and your biceps or your, your shoulders or your back, your chest or your legs or whatnot. But there is one part of the body that most forget to focus on. And it's really where it all begins. What is that area? It's right here, the core. We hate the core, don't we? 
we hate this part, uh, our abdominal muscles. It's that part of the body where um, experts are now uh, seeing the benefit more and more of starting with this area of our body, the core part of our body, the dreaded midsection and firming that up. The core is that area with the abdominal muscles as we talked about. It's, it's the place where the upper portion meets the lower portion. Without a strong midsection, our upper body and our lower bodies, really, if you think about it, they cannot function the way that they should. Practically everything that we do utilizes our core. Do you realize that? Swinging a golf club or a softball bat, you need your core. Um, you came in here today and you sat on the pew, and whether you realized it or not, you were using your core muscles. When you get up from the pew, you need your core muscles. Some of you who grabbed um, a, a cup for your coffee this morning, now you're covered, or to get a bowl out of the top shelf, you need your core muscles. Whenever you go to put groceries into your car, you need your core muscles. How many of you have had a surgery to where they've had to cut through your core muscles? Let me see your hand. How many of you have had that kind of surgery they've had to cut? Okay, you try getting up the moment you come out of anesthesia, right? And you try to get up using those core muscles. You know just how important they are, right? They are very important. In our passage, Paul is emphasizing that the importance of having a strong core. If you and I are going to defeat the enemy, if we're going to, you notice a couple times in our passage, it says if you're going to stand, if you're going to do that, you need to have a strong core. Many translations interpret it as the belt. The belt. Belts um, is probably what many of your translations say. My mom told me a story one time. Um, Ruth and Conrad Watts uh, used to attend the church where mom and dad uh, currently go. Um, it's a church back in Weirton, West Virginia. So you guys may have heard this story. I don't know. But a number of years ago, uh, mom was in the choir at the time with the rest of the choir members. She was in the back. And as you know, the choir's back here, and you know they're looking out towards the congregation. And, and uh, one time there was a worship leader that um, who was leading music, and uh, he was using his hand and doing that whole thing, and he got to the final chorus of this rousing song, and so he was using both hands, and as he was doing this, and he held, held the note out, and as he put his hands up, his pants went down. Can you imagine? He was a larger man. He was a bigger man, and he had just lost a lot of weight. When his hands went up, his pants went down. And my mom about wet her pants when she was there in the choir. Uh, she said it was hilarious, and it was amazing how quickly he uh, readjusted and took care of things. But belts are important, are they not? They are important. Never forget that story. Did you all know who I'm talking about, Conrad and Ruth? Were you there when that happened? I think that the, the, the gentleman has passed away at this time, but just a, a great man. But, uh, wow, never, never forget that. And isn't it interesting, folks, that the very first part of the body, the very first uh, armor section, so to speak, that Paul addresses here has to do with the core area of the body. 
Everything we do in life, our balance, our poise, our steadiness, our stability is connected with our core. Josh graduated along with some of our other young adults. And I remember attending Parker at the graduation a couple of weeks ago. And, and I remember sitting in the stands. They don't have any backs on those bleachers. You know what that's like, okay? And uh, if you notice, have you ever been tempted when you're sitting in a gymnasium for a long time, you start to want to go like this? Your back gets to be so tired, you know? And if that's because you don't have a strong core. The weaker your core is, the more you want to go like this. And I remember through that whole ceremony, I kept wanting to go like this. See, a strong core affects stability, your poise. It, it affects the balance. It affects everything in life. And he uses this part of the body to first emphasize what I believe is a key element in life. And that is the element of truth. The belt of truth. Folks, if you think about it, whatever you believe to be true will define every aspect of your life. Every aspect of your life. It will determine what you do in life. It will determine who you marry in life. It will determine what you do with your money. It will determine where you go, how you think, how you act, and how you react in life. What you consider most important in life, it affects everything in life. All of life begins with what you believe to be true. And Paul is telling us here, make sure you first bind yourself, you secure yourself, you protect yourself with truth. Because without truth, all of life loses stability. Without truth, people and individuals and families and towns and cities, states, nations, countries are not able to function properly. Instead, they will just act out of kilter and they will act out of balance. But here's the thing about truth. Not everybody wants to accept it, right? Not everybody wants to accept Truth. Not everyone embraces it. We want options, don't we? We want to live our life like the motto of Burger King. You know what the motto of Burger King is? Have it your way, right? That is the motto of Burger King. And that seems to be the atmosphere that we are living in. And the motto today is not truth, but it's relativism. It's whatever is relative, right? Relativism. No longer does mankind believe that one set of beliefs should govern all people. Instead, we need to make sure that no one is offended, that whatever feels right, whatever feels wrong, should be truth for that person, and we need to make allowance for that. That is the atmosphere that we are living in today. Take your Bibles and go to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, that reminds me of a story there between two individuals. John chapter 18, I want you to follow along. It will not be on the screen. John chapter 18, starting with verse 28, reading through 38.
This is when Jesus was being led to the cross and he is brought before Pilate. Verse 28, then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium and it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the praetorium lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, if he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, you take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore, the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world... My servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Here are two men, Pilate. Pilate. I believe from just some of the different readings and the historical writings that I have read down through the years, I believe we can ascertain certain things about this man. Here's a man who had been hardened by years of Roman rule. A man who had administered justice with the brutal and barbaric Roman sword. He had spent a lifetime of enforcing whatever Rome said was truth which he knew could change at the slightest whim of the emperor. So for Pilate, truth was relative. It was whatever the strongest says it was. And then to his chamber comes what he thinks is another Jewish rebel-rouser, another troublemaker, another zealot. Pilate is sick and tired of dealing with these arrogant, pesky Jews. But as Pilate begins to question this man, he quickly realizes that this is no ordinary man. And I believe that he finds himself in a rather unfamiliar position. What do I mean? I believe he's uncomfortable. The longer he talks with this Jewish man, he's uncertain, he's nervous, he's uneasy. 
Pilate's never been around a man like this before, especially a criminal, but there's just something about this man named Jesus. The man standing before him, having been severely beaten, is in no position to pronounce what truth is or what it isn't. He is in no position of authority, yet he seems to conduct himself as though all authority belongs to him. Can you just put yourself in that atmosphere of the praetorium? I believe it was just the two of them. Maybe there were some servants off to the side. They didn't hear everything was going on. Maybe they did. But here is this man of great power looking into the eyes of a criminal talking about truth. Man of great power. I see Steve down here in the front row and Steve, as you know, who gave his testimony here, used to be a professor at Virginia Tech. There are many powerful, brilliant men in our country and in our universities and our institutions that believe they have a corner on the market of truth. Many different kind of philosophies, different ways of thinking, and very intelligent people, powerful people, who think that they are able to control and manipulate truth, just like this man, Pilate. This Jewish man, Jesus, says that the very reason that he is here is to proclaim truth. And I, as he says these words, I believe that Pilate knows, based on what he said, that he no longer knows what truth is. For most of his adult life, truth has been twisted and bent and formed to whatever it needs to be. Yet this man seems to know. And I believe that when he looks into the eyes of Jesus, he sees his own sinfulness. And he knows that he is in the presence of the divine. One who claims to know truth. And I believe that as he looks into his eyes... He believes that this man somehow embodies a truth that he's not familiar with. You see, Pilate was living in a world where truth could be defined, it could be redefined. But whenever mankind redefines truth, church, God's truth is averted, God's truth is perverted, and life gets out of balance. Amen? passage in Isaiah 59. You don't have to turn there, but Isaiah is speaking and prophesying and preaching and trying to evangelize uh, the area, the country of Judah, who had been sinning. Every part of their life was sinful, and all the regions and areas around Judah was sinful. They were disobeying God's laws and His ways. When you go against God's truth, when you go against His ways, This is what it tells us happens. This is Isaiah 59, starting with verse 13. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot Enter. 
justice is turned back whenever we don't adhere to God's truth. Righteousness is far away. Truth is just kicked out into the streets. The ability to be fair is nowhere to be found. Kind of sounds like the slippery slope that our country is going down today. Amen? Unfortunately, that's true. America, as we know, was built solely on the truth of God's Word. And if you want more proof of that, come back out on Wednesday night at 6.30. Our schools, as you know, were set up specifically to teach the truths and the principles of God. Some of you may remember this, the McGuffey Reader. I believe that the early schools, uh, when the country was founded, uh, they used McGuffey Readers, those textbooks. And how they taught the kids the alphabet, A, B, C, D, is what they did is they said, A stands for this, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe in the name of Jesus Christ. C, confess your sins to God. That's how our country was founded, church. On the truths of God's word. But today we have removed any and all semblance of biblical truths from our schools and from our government. We've even stripped the truth regarding one's gender If you wake up this morning a man, but you feel like being a woman, we've even given you permission to use whatever restroom that you want to use. That is the new truth. You see what happens when we get away from God's truth. Our country gets out of kilter. It gets out of balance. It gets unstable. Unstable. We'll let you use whatever restrooms or bathrooms are high school shower houses that you want. Our next president may be elected not based on their principles of truth and integrity, but which one has lied the least? And which one is least despised? We have a lot to pray about in our country, don't we, church? Even our churches have fallen prey to this fact, no longer adhering to the, to the truths of God's Word. I know that there are many buildings with steeples. Did you notice I did not say churches? There are many buildings with steeples today who no longer look at the Bible as God's direct inspired Word, but they look at this book as simply a suggested set of guidelines that must change as the society changes. Where is our truth? I heard about a particular denomination, not the Church of God, so you don't have to worry about that, but I heard about a particular denomination who at their national conference a few years ago was deciding on the issue of homosexuality. And by a majority vote, they agreed to receive homosexuality as an acceptable lifestyle, both inside the pulpit and outside of the pulpit. The reasoning for making this decision, they said, was because if they did not do so, they would be left behind in today's culture and society. So many churches have soft, weak cores. They're afraid to stand for God's truths because of how they might be perceived. Church, 
We know the enemy is real and not only must we begin by making our core, making sure that our core is wrapped tightly in truth. It had better be in the right kind of truth as well. The other day I was watching on YouTube a debate between two Christians and a Hindu and a humanist. It was just fascinating to see the questions that were posed to them and their responses to it. And why is there suffering in the world? What does Jesus' resurrection mean to you? And they were debating the various issues of faith and life. And it was amazing to see how each one thought so differently. They, were so, they, were, they weren't even in the same baseball field. Out, they were just in different stadiums altogether, different universes altogether. Why? Because they came at it from a different set of truths. From a different set of truths. The kind of truth that you begin with Makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. I'm going to do something. Rachel, come on up at this time. All right? I'm going to have Rachel just pass the baby to whoever. It don't matter. They'll, uh, they'll take them. She's cute enough. She'll go to whoever.